0: candid conversations on music. This week is a super fun one. Our guest today is Steve. That's the band name, with a lowercase s and a period. Their short songs, strange titles, and wacky lyrics are backed up by raw pop-punk energy and an encouraging undertone. Their debut full-length is 10 songs, but clocks in at just under 15 minutes. The title, You Can Do This Too, is meant to serve as a reminder to everyone, but especially marginalized individuals, that they have artistic worth and should not let anything stop them from chasing their goals. The album is out on November 8th via Ice Ranger Records, and is certainly worth your quarter of an hour, though you're sure to return to it time and time again. Until then, sit back and enjoy this chat.
2: So I guess if we could just start by having you introduce yourself for podcast listeners so they're able to kind
1: of differentiate your voice. Okay. Hi, I'm Nikki. This is my voice. (laughs) Hi, I'm Kai. I use they, them pronouns. This is my voice. Rad, rad. (laughs) Um, So when I was like reading
2: your bio, it kind of struck me as like oddly similar to The Wonder Years, how you kind of start as like a side project and wrote your first songs in order to be able to like play a gig and I know they eventually kind of like they had a similar um kind of like jokey style as I guess you do in some of your songs and they kind of like eventually wrote that kind of side of their career off um I was wondering if that's kind of something that you see as a potential happening in the future
1: Interesting. Well, I never knew that the Wonder Years started as a side project. That's and I've listened to that band a lot, and I never <laughs> knew that. <laughs> I thought they just wanted to write about like going to space and being pirates. They do have a goofy element, though, that I I wouldn't say is something that inspired anything necessarily about us if anything we were more inspired by the by like the 30 second 40 second blink 182 songs (laughs) Uh, complete jokes (laughs) but that's interesting though do uh see ourselves like that um i don't know (laughs) i don't want to i don't think that was
3: that was an intention
1: yeah definitely not an intention (laughs) but
3: it's interesting You, you you found that parallel
1: you know, we didn't really go into it. So I'm like, Oh yeah, let's be like the wonder years right now. No, absolutely <laughs> <not>. <laughs> we definitely do play basements and they do like talking about playing basements. So yeah. <laughs> and we
3: have our fair share of Philadelphia living. So yeah. So
1: yeah. Yeah. You know
3: what? <laughs> we, we are, we are trying to be the wonder yeah, we years. are. <laughs> How did that kind
2: of like jokey element of the band kind of end up happening?
1: Uh, we don't take uh, we don't take a lot that many things very seriously we we're taking it more seriously as we're navigating this whole industry of course now but the the main purpose and the function of of us playing together as a band is just uh, just because we like it we like to have fun and you' you're, you're correct we did only we only started playing uh, shows or writing music because we wanted to start playing shows uh, and then, as that started taking off in some way, uh, I guess you can say we kind of started uh, getting a little more serious about it. I guess you could say it's like a—we were
3: all in serious, more serious bands prior to, and that probably was a retaliation against that mentality that we started the basement scene with. Like, uh, it, and it was really refreshing because I didn't join Steve until October, but I've been producing and hanging out the entire time, so I got to like see them like you know really blossom and help out but I think it's more like a retaliation against like people being tryhards, and they just liked having fun and,
1: and being goofy. And that was like the big appeal of, of Steve at the time. I should mention when, uh, when Nikki said October, he means October 2018 and you're going oh, yeah. up on a
2: whole year. now. <laughs> oh. oh my God. Oh, <laughs> awesome. Um, and I guess as far as like you mentioned, like more serious projects before Steve started, um, were they kind of like stylistically similar and how did Steve kind of end up starting to come together?
1: Well, okay. So Eric, our bass player uh, was the vocalist for a metalcore band. band. Um, and then he basically, he hit up me and I was playing solo at the time, which was more kind of uh, like ambient sound solo kind of stuff. Uh, and then he hit up our drummer, Zach, who was playing in a shoegaze band. So the three of us, we're not intending to create uh, some sort of pop punk message, or we didn't come from playing in pop punk groups at all. Uh, Nick, however, though, played in another band that is, I, I, don't, I don't know, what do you think?
3: Uh, it's like pop punk, but like, you know, how people say alt rock now to not be pop punk. <laughs> so <laughs> it was like that kind. Like uh, if you take Saves a Day and those early bands like that and try to do that.
1: We've definitely all listened to uh, some sort of, uh, like, like, for instance, like when we first started the band, we really wanted to sound like Sprainerd or Title Fight almost, like the earlier Title Fight kind of stuff. Uh, I don't think that still holds up, though. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I think one of the lines in either like your bio or like the press release was you're pop punk, but not that kind of pop punk, which I, I feel like <laughs> makes a lot of sense somehow. It's
1: just, there's a weird distinction in pop punk where if you say you're a pop punk band, they might think like the Wonder Years or, or yeah. even all time Low low or all time low which is which also you can consider pop punk for but when sure. we were thinking of it i i don't know because then you could also say super chunk is kind of pop punk and they're not in that realm at all for sure yeah
2: and i mean like so many of like the older bands like um like no effects and stuff were like considered pop punk when they started out but now i think most people just consider them as like the forebearers of punk
1: yes yeah yes sure. exactly exactly <laughs> I agree with that
2: so it's like it's so interesting to me how genre is like kind of constantly a changing then.
1: I think it's um I think it's uh I don't know if it's any better or any good. I think it's just uh it's turning into the blanket term. For instance, like how alt rock is almost a blanket term in some ways. But uh yeah, sometimes pop punk has a negative connotation. So that's that's why there is a line in in whatever you read that says not that kind of pop punk. <laughs> And I mean, like, stylistically, I think
2: the reason that I connected to, like, Ankle Biter when I first heard it, it, like, reminded me a lot of, like, the first Prince Daddy and the Hyena EP and also kind of, like, some of the posture and the grizzly stuff. Uh, Like, who who were kind of your inspirations
1: as far as when you were writing the LP? Uh, For me, I... Well, okay. This is an interesting question. So we all... We... The way that we write songs is that one of us will come up with pretty much the song itself and then bring it to the group and then present that and then we all kind of get involved so there's three of us who have written songs on this record um and for me personally i'm very much influenced by motown chord progressions uh which is not very and then you put that put that through a guitar and through some distortion pedals and then you get something that kind of like how you're saying sounds a little bit p daddy-esque and you know posture and grizzly-esque kind of sounds and i just like play leads mostly and
3: i like really gainy sounds that almost sound synthy so that was my inspiration
1: it's just (laughs) Uh, I'm not the best
3: guitar player in the world, but I can make some noise a little bit. And yeah, <laughs> I don't
1: think I don't think we have any any sort of any sort of bands or artists that we've particularly said like, oh, that's something I would like to create. It always ends up sounding something like that. Though. Oh, for sure. Hmm. Like uh, <laughs> a couple
3: a couple songs could be considered like like Zach's songs, for example. Like Zach's a drummer mainly and plays guitar, but only knows a certain amount of chords, so. Zach's songs sound more like the blank songs or the Springyard kind of songs. Yes, yeah, you know. But then Kyle, like Kyle, is musically all over the place, and I can never really pinpoint it until the end of the song, and I go, "Oh, okay, I get this."
1: <laughs> yeah, I listen to a lot. Like I, I listen to a lot of everything. I feel uh, like th- this morning, my whole drive to work, I was just listening to 2014 SZA, and I was like, "Wow, this is great." <laughs> So yeah, stylistically, I think we're all over on the map, and for some some way, we get the sound that we have now. Yeah, and
3: yesterday I was listening to Ruiner. It's a hardcore
1: band from Baltimore. So <laughs> there's, yeah, there's some hard, there's a hard, there's some a lot, lot hardcore of hard influence in there. But I think I I like to throw in like a little breakdown thing just because I think it's silly.
2: <laughs> for sure, yeah, and I mean, you mentioned kind of like the songwriting process um and how you kind of like one of you will bring something in and then do you guys kind of like jam it out together is it does it come together more in like the rehearsal space or um like how does that kind of work
1: it depends this record in particular these songs took about two years to get them all together and uh and there's like two more i think that just never made the cut on the current iteration of the record uh so for instance i was writing songs in 2017 that ended up on this record And those were things that I would demo out on GarageBand in my bedroom. Um, And Zach hit me up to play leads because
3: there was like the first eight songs that were written and recorded, uh, which which I helped produce. Uh, Zach's like, it's missing something and asked me to do leads. So then I just put the MP3s and threw leads on it for the first eight, And two of them didn't make it. And then we wrote four more. And then those four we wrote together. uh, And those kind of did happen in a practice space. But most of the time is we're just kind of by ourselves. And then when things almost done, we bring it to each other.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd I'd seen something about uh, one of your posts like a while ago about um, it being like an eight song album. And so I I was curious how that kind of ended up switching up. So that's really interesting. And how was it for you, like coming into the band while they were, you know, so far along in the process?
3: Oh, I mean, I was producing it. I produced uh, the last EP too. even the first one as well, I was there. Yes, you know. So, yeah, so I've, I've been there since basically the first day of recording. And I go to 80% of the shows as much as I can. <laughs> uh, no, because I, I was a huge fan and like, uh, just wanted to help out my friends as much as possible. So I knew the dynamic. I'd hang out with the guys all the time. Uh, I had a specific job for a while uh, called Weedside. And whenever Zach needed a little pick-me-up during the set, <laughs> hand him over a little something, and that was my job i was a microphone holder for a day <laughs> uh, i did i did every job and there's a lot of room for growth in this company and i'm and i'm living proof <laughs> <He> started
1: and <laughs> then worked his way up now uh now we're talking to each other yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's awesome um and you mentioned like how it kind of took a lot a long time for some of these songs to come together like all the songs are pretty much at the two minute or less mark is that kind of a self-imposed constraint or is that just more how the songs naturally come together
1: for me I get very bored of playing the same things over and over again and also I'm not I'm not I'm not the best songwriter in the world either so I a lot of the ones that I write don't have a chorus or a verse necessarily it's just uh kind of throwing it all together real fast and then then at at some point i i write the music i write out the lyrics i get a good idea of what i want it to be and that's it (laughs) (laughs) and uh since being in this band for almost a year now
3: uh i said i've been helping like songwriting i have one uh, i wanted to have songs on the record me and zach collabed on one uh my ability to write a song over two minutes is now completely shattered
1: since being in this i did kind of i did i did have noticed that i did influence the rest of my boys in in a way that is uh i don't know i like it personally i don't know if everybody likes it but uh i yeah truthfully like it's not really a bit a lot of people think it's like a bit like oh none of these songs are, are or all the ones that you write aren't longer than two minutes or anything it's like yeah it's not a joke i'm i just get pretty bored of what i'm doing <laughs> i want to make more if mm-hmm. yeah,
3: it more sounds in it because we can go like all over the place oh absolutely yeah
2: <laughs> since um the songs are kind of like on the shorter end does that like give you time to kind of like pay more attention to certain aspects of the song or like at, does it affect kind of like the songwriting process as far as like um you know like going over them again and again and stuff
1: in a way i suppose i think it it helps us create uh more so there's uh hmm. like with the eight songs that we had originally we were
3: totally fine with throwing away two of them because we had so much more in the canon you know yeah so it's like someone's not gonna be too hurt if we go okay this one's gonna get cut but then there's another one that's gonna be right around the corner so yeah (laughs) (laughs) so kind of like
2: speeds up the songwriting process and allows you to um you know kind of see what sticks sort of
1: yeah i i would say that uh so for instance when we went back to record the another four songs one of those didn't make it i believe Mm -hmm. correct yes So so one of them didn't make it uh but then at the same time we had Uh, I mean, I had two more that were pretty much ready to go at that point. Uh, I think Zach had another one that might have ended up on it as well. Uh, Yeah, it's, it's in a way of like... Of of we are a big fan of quantity and uh and it's also very funny I think just to have the shortest quantity LP. or quality which one are we a fan of I don't know I don't know <laughs> I I think I, I think we I think we have a, a like a delicate balance of quantity and they're all really dope yeah and the best part <laughs> is like about having like fourteen songs or sixteen songs whatever
3: we had and, uh, at the arsenal we can make a more cohesive album like if something didn't really like make sense. Like, we can make a better album since we have more songs to pick from.
1: Yes, yeah, I would agree with that. And then, uh, as Nikki mentioned before, uh, the styles are, style is kind of, like, a little bit different, but it's, you, you can still tell that it's uniquely one of our songs.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so it's kind of, like, quantity in the songwriting and then quality in the overall finished product.
1: Yeah, that's a yeah. that's a pretty good way of phrasing <laughs> that we definitely didn't say. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then I we've obviously like hit on a couple of times kind of like the role of comedy in the music and like the idea of you got uh, you starting the band to kind of just have fun. Um, but there's also um, I would say like a social consciousness. Like you're pretty like outspoken on like Twitter about like the state of the music industry and like the the name of the album kind of referring to like marginalized people of. Um, encouraging them to follow their passions and stuff.
1: Well, yeah, there's there's um there's a there's a thing that I that you just notice uh, when you're when you're a person of color that uh, you'll you'll look around the room and realize you're the darkest one in that room. And I have just tan skin, like I'm not even like a very dark skinned person. So there's just sort of um it, it, it's it's uh it's just a little. Uh, For instance, it took me a while to realize that I could play music as in I had to go onto YouTube one day when I was maybe 16, 17 years old, stumble upon a video of this person named James who played under the moniker of the Michael character. Uh, He wrote a song. It was called Don't Call Me Your Asian Friend. And that connected with me. And he was playing in it. He was playing in, in a living room in Boston, I believe. Uh, just surrounded by friends. And there was something in my brain that sort of clicked because I've been playing guitar in general since I was younger. Uh, I never really had any desire to ever write anything. Like I would just play along with songs that I knew. Uh, And then it it, it took that moment to be seeing somebody who looked like me playing music for me to realize, oh, that looks like a lot of fun. I wanna try and get involved with that. And I know that I can do it because this person who is also tan skin, is doing it as well. Uh, and, to, and in regards to balancing that with the band, uh, well, we don't play shows where I am the only marginalized individual performing that night. Uh, and we're pretty adamant about that. <laughs>
3: If we have control, like if, if we, we have, have a control,
1: if we have the ability to say it, of course, sometimes it's a little more difficult. We're currently booking a tour, uh, and we're going to places that we don't play that often, where we don't know that many people, so we can't. So as we, I try to do as much research as I can on bands around the area, or talk to some people, uh, even when I'm cold emailing, like promote. I will mention you know at uh, the least amount of, of white men on the bill as possible would be wonderful uh, but in terms of like local gigs like absolutely if we're playing a, a show in Jersey where I know so many women where I know so many black artists that exist and there's all white boys on the bill it's like I can't I can't feel comfortable in that space doing that and you also do that with your booking as well I do that yeah I book a bunch of shows and that's the other thing that uh, I've started doing once again where I I have one token white boy band as I like to say (laughs) (laughs) and that's it
2: so you're kind of flipping the script then
1: (laughs) I I'm trying to make a difference and uh and I'm I'm hopeful and I feel confident that I have an ability to make a difference and it's definitely reflected in the
3: audience too for for a college town that's usually 90% white men Kyle's gigs are definitely the most diverse I feel (laughs) which which is like you know I would agree with that that's like being the smartest ding dong you know because people don't really understand that in booking but Kyle does the best job possible so I'm I'm really proud of Kyle for doing that
2: yeah definitely I mean that's that's super rad um and I, I you've also kind of been vocal on Twitter about kind of like the state of like the indie music um like industry for lack of a better word I guess um could you talk a little bit about like your kind of ideas behind that and like the or like the DIY ethic and like stuff
1: like that. My biggest quarrel with DIY is that uh, for every one band, there's at least six other people behind that band that are trying to profit off of that group, um, and that kind of it, it takes away the the feeling of community from me, for uh, me personally, when when somebody hits me up to book a show, for instance. And, you know, I when I book gigs, I, there's money that comes through the door. It all goes to the bands. Uh, if there's a band on tour, they get first priority. If I make over a certain threshold of money that comes through the door, I try to pay out the locals as much as I can. There are people that do not do this, and that bothers me a lot. Uh, for, like, I don't take any money that comes from the gigs that I book, Uh, and I'm very transparent about that. Uh, yeah, you post
3: the figures on Facebook. (laughs) I do post the figures
1: on Facebook. Yeah. On my personal Facebook page, I will post, like, I will say like, so, so this group is on tour. They got, uh, you know, X amount of funds from the door, the house, you know, I'm booking at other people's houses. And so they obviously have bills to pay and, you know, running a show in the basement all night might, you know, that that has some sort of impact on the bills and all. So I try to pay out houses or I give them toilet paper if they ask. Which they're so stoked about. And they are very excited (laughs) when I show up and I say, Hey, I have three rolls of toilet paper and they go, Oh, great. (laughs) Um, yeah, in terms of the industry, you know, I'm not I'm not a hater on it. I understand that everybody has to make money in some way. Uh but so profiting on a DIY level is a... Uh, it's a little questionable where yeah. it's like are you doing this because you love it or are you doing this because you love to make money and you don't wanna get like another part time gig or something else like that.
2: Yeah, I mean I think that like speaking about the transparency that you have, I think that's like really cool. I think it I think it benefits like both the bands and the fans because it's like you kind of get a better idea of the overall state of things and like where your money's going and everything. I think that's like a really cool thing. And I, I haven't actually seen anyone else do that before.
1: Yeah, I think there's a. It's probably a, uh, probably good reasons why nobody does that, honestly. And I, I'm not. I'm not saying anybody doesn't necessarily, but I've witnessed some people skim a little off the top, and that's okay. I guess it's just not the way that I like to conduct things. I I, I don't think I should be paid for driving five minutes and sitting in front of a, a, a on a porch all night. You know. <laughs>
2: for sure. Yeah, and. Um... I mean, I guess kind of jumping off those kind of ideas, um, how does that kind of relate to the relationship with I Surrender Records and how did that kind of start to form?
1: So they're very transparent with us. Oh, they're excellent. <laughs> we know exactly what they're up to. We know exactly where the money is going and they're just very uh, they uh, like when we first started working together. They definitely laid it all out. We have a we ha- we signed a contract and it was six pages. Apparently, that's very small for it's to be like thirty pages. Yeah, or apparently that's very small for for uh, for label signing deals. Uh, one of our band members had
3: a lawyer look at it just just for you know because they were worried, uh, and the lawyer goes you should go back to high school if you can't understand this contract. <laughs> it, was
1: very, it was very straightforward and written out. And when we did have questions, all it was like a text message away and being like, hey, so what does this line mean exactly? And then they explained it to us. Yeah. And then we're like, okay, great. And they've been talking about nice. They have a great team over there.
3: Uh, they have uh, the CEO, which is a very nice fellow that was in a, in a cool band growing growing up. Uh, we also have... Uh, couple women behind scenes too and like they're super helpful and we're all in an email thread every day all day and
1: we're in constant communication we follow each other on instagram and everything we're like (laughs) replying to each other's stories and all it's the cutest relationship i've ever had with uh with some people (laughs) that i don't you know
3: like i'm worried like if we ever were to like go elsewhere like what's gonna happen like this is so nice (laughs) (laughs) everyone's so cool
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's it's the most it's i think we ended up in the most positive experience we could have had in regards to working with a record label
2: for sure yeah and um i guess how did that like kind of how did you get did you reach out to them first or did they reach out to you how did that kind of come together
3: so kai and i uh constructed cold emails uh we knew some labels that we had friends with or like had friends on the label um we had a couple of sure things and that just,
1: we didn't really like the response or what was going to be given. But we wanted vinyl records. We wanted vinyl records at the end of the day. And a lot of people didn't respond and say, Hey, we love this music. We would love to distribute it. However, we're not going to be able to make you vinyl. And that's totally okay. Yeah.
3: We're, you know, we're not like, you know, big band. that yeah. Absolutely needed vinyls, but that's what a dream of ours was to have our music pressed on vinyl. So we kind of just stuck it out a little bit and, we were actually almost uh, didn't do the email that I surrendered because I was like, I don't know. We don't know them. But, they were but,
1: they were one of the reach labels. Yeah, they were
3: like a reach. We had a, a spreadsheet. And they are like reach labels, labels that you probably could get on or that we know friends of. And I was like, I know what, sh- let's do it. Let's shoot the email. And then they fell in love with the tracks, those eight original tracks. And, uh, and then we just started talking from there. And we got uh, Mexican food and it was excellent.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, like, I think the fact that I saw that they were the ones who tweeted out was kind of one of the reasons that I checked out the music because I mean like they put out like a, a, one of the I Am the Avalanche or a couple of the I Am the Avalanche records I think but a couple of the four-year strong stuff like
1: yeah, that Avalanche record. Ooh, yeah. Love
3: it. I'm, I'm still waiting for Vinnie Caruana to hit me up <laughs> <laughs> it's been like a week now <laughs>
2: He's going on that solo tour soon. You can confront him in person. <laughs> oh,
1: true. Oh, okay. Avalanche is the reason why Nikki and I are friends in the first place. That's actually the, <laughs>
3: the absolute truth. Kyle was uh, working at the radio station at Rutgers, uh, and I was working at the media team for Rutgers. And someone came in and was like playing my, oh, someone's playing your old man. And I'm like, what? No. Why? And I go into the radio station, unannounced, on air, open a door, and I see Kai like, Hey, like, were you wearing Avalanche or were you playing Avalanche after I was us?
1: playing Avalanche. You were playing
3: Avalanche, Avalanche after so I'm like, oh, you like Avalanche? And we haven't stopped talking to each other since.
1: <laughs> and we're best friends now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so it's so weird that like, it came full circle that we'd be on a, a label with the alumnus of uh, I Am the Avalanche. Yeah, right.
2: <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they're kind of like this kind of weird band that's kind of like a little bit under the radar but the people who like them like really love them and like i've made a lot of connections with people just over that band (laughs) i wanted to uh, or i was curious um could you talk a little bit about the single ankle biter and like the music video that goes along with it
3: all right so the thing i'm most proud of about ankle Biter is not the fact that we took like what 15 hours 20 hours to do the claymation or stop motion with 1500 pictures it's, I think it's the fact that we captured 24
1: frames per second.
3: I'm so proud of that
1: <laughs> you know yeah, i forgot the breakdown of that um so yeah let's talk the music video yeah we should anything. we should right uh yeah so i just had a weird idea one day i have a lot of weird ideas and most of them get shut down because they're very odd but this one's stuck for some reason Where i i came outside so so three of us live together let's get that out of the way three of us live together i come outside and go see nikki and i say hey we should do claymation <laughs> he goes yeah we should and i brought up uh, we should do a monster and then you nikki suggested we should get a we should make a monster and i said yeah we should and then <laughs> and then uh you know 15 to 20 grueling hours later uh, you know 1500 shots 1500 shots later you know and it's i i work full time i work full time on a farm and i would come home every single day and just run into the basement and be like all right so we got to get this scene and this scene right and then, <laughs> then we you know stop motion is such a It's such a beautiful art form, and it's so difficult to create. It's tedious. It's very tedious, and we're not professionals. We're doing it in a basement. I did not get the correct clay that you should be using for stop motion. (laughs) And also, I did not realize that the that the the clay puppets were did not have to be completely made out of clay. So the monster weighs more than it should. <laughs> the, the monster weighs like a solid like a solid pound or two, yeah. which is way too heavy for stop motion. So it's falling apart. And in between that and me accidentally knocking over a piece midway through the scene, it's like, well, we got to go delete all of these photos and redo the whole scene. It was a a process, to say the least. But it it was still fun because,
3: like, at first it was like an art project because we were, like, cutting out things and making the set. And it was so lighthearted and so fun. And then actually doing it was, like, kind of grueling. (laughs) But then again, we're lucky that our songs are so short. If yeah. it was a two-minute video, uh, we wouldn't be done with it. We would not. We wouldn't.
2: We wouldn't have done it. Honestly, yeah, that's awesome. And. I saw one of your Instagram posts recently, how you're saying like, oh, bands don't usually share their live songs, but we're lucky enough that our songs can fit into their their format. So that's <laughs> like, that really works yeah. out for you. <laughs> my,
1: friend, uh, my friend Jesse was able to get the whole song, and then uh, I was able to post the whole
2: song <laughs> on
1: Instagram.
2: <laughs> and, and that's really cool, like the dedication. Um, and like the passion around just like the idea kind of just coming from or the video just coming from like a fun idea and just you being just like hell yeah let's do it like and that kind of goes back to the beginning of the band
1: how you started it <laughs> yeah i'm a big believer that that we can do almost anything and well anybody almost. can do anything <laughs> really Uh, We're experimenting a lot with some other uh, creative effects and uh, we're currently trying to learn how to do one that might take a minute, but we'll figure
3: it out. It it might be like the third music video. It might
1: not be perfect either, but we're not aiming for perfect. We're looking for, can we do it? (laughs) (laughs) That's also the beauty of this band is like,
3: it doesn't have to be perfect. We could just play power chords and just have fun. And yeah. like, our videos can reflect that. And that's what we really like about ankle biters, that it's a very silly idea. And it looks like it's not perfect. A 14-year-old could have made it. But nope, it was a 27-year-old and a 23-year-old. <laughs> 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 um,
2: and I I guess this kind of ties in a little bit, I guess, the way you were, you were talking about that. Um, kind of like... And also something that stood out to me is like the um, you're posting about like the Chorus FM uh, comments kind of, uh, <laughs> I guess kind of like raking the band a little bit and how you're, you were saying you were going to put it on merch and kind of like this self-depreciating like aspects of it or kind of like the uh, jovial, uh, like kind of like making fun of yourselves. Can you talk a little bit about like that kind of mindset?
3: So our drummer Zach said, oh, our friend uh, saw like this awesome thread on Absolute Punk. And I'm like, about the song, and they're like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, Absolute Punk's not a thing, it's Chorus FM. So, okay, maybe they just got the website wrong. Let me go look for these, you know, very nice comments. And, go <laughs> and the first thing I see is this Raiders logo 333 gang. 333 gang, that's our, that's that's our, our dude, dude forever. Whoever that is, like, you get they're, a free shirt, amazing. you get a free shirt, you get a record, you just gotta hit us up. We're yeah. so happy. And like, I've been going to Course FM like every week or Absolute Punk back in the day since I was like very young and it was just very exciting. I knew like the comment threads were kind of like harsh sometimes and for us to have like a harsh comment mental like oh yeah we're doing it we're doing it
1: it's it's a somewhat (laughs) it's a somewhat humbling moment uh, where it's like well none of us are walking around I mean I am but I have an ego but none of us are like walking around like oh we're the best in the world like everyone's gonna love this blah 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 and then to to see that comment is just the funniest thing
3: to me (laughs) especially after thinking it's gonna be a nice comment like someone's like oh it's really nice and i don't know if they're messing with me or whatever but it was the best. And I showed Kai, and Kai died laughing immediately. Yeah, and then
1: I said, hey, let's get it on a shirt. That's amazing. <laughs> and it's also the first time anybody has ever expressed their, like, hatred of this group. I don't even know if they listened to the track at all. Oh, they didn't. Yeah, right? I, they probably didn't. Right? No, they didn't.
3: They said our track listing was bad, and our banding was bad, and that yeah. makes them not want yeah, so to listen to Yeah, so they it.
1: never listened to us at all. So then again, it's like the perspective of like, well, what do you know? And also, I don't really care. But also, this is very funny.
3: It was like uh, band's great band name uh, misled with band's music, and I'm like, that's yeah, the opposite yeah, yeah. of Steve. We have the worst band name, but
1: music's okay. <laughs> we fully believe in everything that we do. We're if if. I always say it to my boys that i'm like look we're gonna we're gonna put all of our hearts into this, we're gonna put all of our effort into it, and if it flops, then we're gonna put all our effort into that flop yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, I mean, I think that's
2: like a really cool mindset to have, and like the fact that someone's making a bad comment about you is still like they took the effort to make a comment about you, and in some ways that's rad too,
1: yeah, I think so. I appreciate that I appreciate honesty, I
3: like it too. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I would rather somebody do that than than praise me. You know, I like, can be yeah. like, "Oh, you're so great and blah 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 and all this other. Like I also like praise as well. I'm not saying I don't like praise, but uh but I I do like those moments cuz it's like that's funny.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I I think just kind of like the lighthearted aspects of the band are like something that if you're on board for it, it's like that's a really fun thing as a fan too. So I think that's like kind of a special thing too (laughs) yeah
1: i like uh i like i like have including everybody into the process of this whole thing so if we get a bad comment you're gonna see it if we get a cool looking record you're gonna see that too
0: (laughs) it's time for this week's mid-show shadow today i want to highlight bizarre albums this podcast by tony Thaxton is like going dollar bin diving at your local record store or flipping through dusty vinyl at goodwill Each week highlights a different WTF album and explains how and why it was made in a concise and well-researched way. They've already covered albums by The Simpsons, Bruce Willis, Shaq, and more. Check it out. And if you need even more, contribute to their Patreon for bonus Bizarre Singles episodes.
2: I like kind of wrapping up by asking for either like um, a piece of advice or an observation you've made recently, either about like music or just life in general that you would like to share with listeners
3: don't be afraid to reach out i got a mentor recently for my uh for like a job searching and like a this video production guy who uh ironically enough knew know our news our record label guy and played with his ska band and booked his ska band back in like the early 2000s and uh late 90s and he's been super helpful and like we reached out for the label and that was a cold email and you never know until you like you ask a try, and I've been talking to this guy like every week now, and he's super chill, so if there's sorry about that uh yeah, so if anything like that's what I learned like the last two weeks is like y- y- you can go for it, just like
1: do it, ask and and see if it goes anywhere, if it doesn't, then you're still in the same spot uh, I think my message is the title of the record. you can do this too i I, to I wholly <laughs> believe that uh that you know. If you, if you try, if you really want to do something, of course there's complications that come in the way along with it. And I'm very much a lucky person to be in the position where I am and where I can afford to go out and play music every single weekend. Uh, but I, I, I wholly believe that there's, there's opportunities that we can all take. Uh, and I think we should just do it. <laughs> you know? That's our most... Wholesome answer we've had all
3: day. Yeah, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Those, I mean, those are great, and I think like that speaks to me a lot too. Like that's kind of both of those things are kind of like the mindset that I had coming into the podcast and like kind of just trying to hit the ground running and start doing it how whichever way I could. And as this will be, I think like episode eight that you guys will be on, and I've Ooh. kind of been like slowly refining it as things go and stuff. And I don't What's know, it's, you? it's worked out really well. <laughs>
1: Nice. Well, that's the thing. If you try, you don't know until you try it. Yeah, <laughs> so don't... why not try it? <laughs> um, did
3: you bring this up to your publication or did they ask you to do this?
1: Um, I brought it up
2: to, because uh, I was kind of having like, just a lot. It was being like, it was hard for me to do writing. Um, Because I don't, I don't know why. I was just kind of like hitting that kind of block for a while, and it was really stressing me out. Because I was like, I wanted to talk to bands, I wanted to get the word out about bands, but I and I would do the interviews, and then I would sit on them for weeks and just like not have the motivation to transcribe them and then turn them into an article and stuff. So I was like, okay, well, what can I do to continue doing what I want? And then I was like, okay, a podcast would be great. And So then I brought it up to Henderson who runs the alternative and he was like, yeah, that'd be rad. Like we can definitely throw it up on our mix cloud and promote it along with the radio shows and stuff. And then it just kind of, it came together like super quickly once I had the idea and everything.
1: Yeah, that's dope. And like candid conversations like this is where you find out the most I feel versus like pen and paper I feel.
2: For sure. Yeah. I mean, especially with like, like email interviews too. Like I've always tried to do phone interviews and to some extent, in-person interviews, like, as much as possible, because it's, it's so much easier to get your message across when you're talking and able to have that time to, like, process it in your head than to just, like, kind of be like, okay, well, I don't want to be super long-winded, so let me write this couple sentences and, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Because you guys have the style of the short shorter songs, I wanted to kind of wrap up with a special lightning round, just Asking a few quick fire questions and getting oh, quick man, answers.
1: Okay, okay,
2: <laughs> okay. So, what's your favorite album
1: of all time? Yeah. Oh man. Uh, uh, Last Light,
3: uh, past, present, future. No past, present, or future.
1: Yeah, I'll take that answer too because I can't name any off the top of my head. <laughs> when My music taste changes monthly. <laughs> what's, what's uh, favorite movie? Oh, Snowpiercer. It's a. It's a. It, <laughs> snowpiercer is like a a very post-apocalyptic uh film uh i believe it it was uh, i don't want to say this actually but chris evans is in it and he's very attractive
3: (laughs) anything that's shot within 24 frames is my favorite
1: (laughs) um favorite comedian
3: oh oh me and kyle love comedy we're gonna gonna slow down this lightning round we see comedy (laughs) once a month we
1: try to yeah uh roywood jr I, I i like him a lot and i like uh T- tig uh has to be uh
3: john mulaney which that's he's mainstream now but uh i, I do love john mulaney and a comedy bang bang podcast shout out scott <laughs>
2: uh let's see spiciest food you've ever eaten
1: uh hmm I don't really go that spicy normally. I've eaten a ghost pepper though one time and that was, that was like, apparently that's not even that hot. <laughs> but I think that's the spiciest thing
3: I'll ever consume in my life. I had the spiciest, like the, of Blackbird, like the, the highest spice one and me and Alex could handle it. Hmm. And I'm like, wow, I'm such a wimp. So <laughs> that's that.
2: <laughs> Did you regret it?
3: Oh, absolutely. It was
1: about two days. Heartburn City. Imagine if we said the, if we said the fire sauce packet from Hot and- <laughs>
2: Let's see. Oh, what do you like most about yourself?
1: Uh, I wear dope shoes. I wear dope sneakers. Uh,
3: <laughs> my white teeth are really fucking white. <laughs> and-
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> How many fingers am I holding up?
2: Seven. Uh, Sixteen. Three. <laughs> yeah. And final question: When does that album come out? Five, four, three, two, one.
3: November eighth. <laughs> perfect Friday.
2: Nailed it. Nailed
0: it. <laughs> that's all, folks. Episode eight of Fly on the Call is another success. Take a couple of minutes when you can to check Steve out, and if you like what you hear, maybe give You Can Do This Too a pre-order. Thanks to Kyle and Nick for being a joy to talk to and making this another great episode. And thanks to you for listening. A special thank you, as always, to The Alternative for helping to promote the show, Kaylin West of Tiny Stills for the theme song, and Michaela Jane Palermo for the artwork. You can keep up to date by subscribing to the podcast and following the show on Twitter and Instagram at Fly on the Call Pod. Every Monday, I post a hint at the next guest, and if you get it right, you'll get to hear the episode early. So check it out. Feel free to email questions, comments, or other feedback to me at flyonthecallpod at gmail.com. I'll be back with another episode next week. Fly on the
3: call. Hello out there. Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six
0: years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've
1: also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Number the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, And we hope to see you further on up the road.
2: Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you.